Hello and welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly supported by the great people at Gamesurplus.com. And welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And today is episode three. We are going to do a twofer. We're going to do At the Gates of Loyang. And Ryan, you're going to talk about... I'm going to talk about uh, Raiders of the North Sea. Bridge City Board Gamers are proud to identify the good, the bored, and the ugly as our cardboard cohorts. In this growing community, it's important to create relationships that help you learn grow and support one another you can find their podcast on itunes and their channel on youtube where they produce and create new content every week all right well i'll get started um uh, at the gates of loyang i'll give us the nuts and bolts and then i'll give you my opinion and my conclusions so, At the Gates of Luoyang came out in 2009, designer, the, the very much awesome Uwe Rosenberg. Ooh, gotta love me some Uwe. Yes. Um, uh, this time, the game came out by uh, Tasty Minstrel Games, and um, uh, it plays one to four players, has a solo mode for me, which is, a, uh, which is o- always a bonus. Um, it, sa- it says it runs 60 to 120 minutes, but I've never believed a game when it said that. <laughs> um, uh, and it's about a medium, uh, BGG says it's about a medium level game, and uh, I kind of agree. So, um, at the gates of Luoyang, it's a Rosenberg farming game. Now, I'm embarrassed to say that I've not played Agricola, or I've, and I've not played Caverna. And what's the Fields of Arl is a, another one. So yeah, that's another in, China 2,000 years ago, when Luoyang was the capital of the Han, Han Dynasty. I just both said Han Solo. <laughs> um, uh, For the movie coming out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little bit of imprinting. My brain's primed. Um, uh, you play a farmer at the market, and you're selling your vegetables to the people um, uh, of, of ancient China. So um, you grow, you sell, you trade, you fill out orders to customers, um, I'm always a big, when I learn a new game, I'm, I'm always a big proponent of, okay, how do I win? So how do you win? At the end of nine rounds, you need to be the furthest down the path of prosperity. I kind of like that. It's very thematically connected. It doesn't say you have to have the most points, the path of prosperity. So meaning that you're the most uh, prosperous farmer, I guess. Um, how it's do you still get, just points. It's just points. It's always <laughs> just points. So how do you get down the path? Um, you basically, at the end of each turn, you pay some money. Uh, you pay one yen to move up, and then you pay the amount of yen that the next level um, designates. So let's say uh, in the first turn you're uh, starting at level one, you pay one yen to get to level two. And if you want to get the next level, which is three, then you have to pay three. So it's this idea about making money through through your uh, your farming economy. Um, that, yeah, it just comes down to making money to create uh, your best farming engine. I love engine builders. This one was awesome. Um, how do you how do you squeak out the best money? Well, you just fine tune this engine in regards to what uh, produce is coming off your fields. 
to what um, type of customers you're fulfilling contracts to, um, what market stalls you're trading with, and helpers. These helpers can be diabolical. Now, I've only played solo mode, um, so I, I haven't ever used the take that quality of these helper cards, but you, there's some pretty, you know, pretty nasty, you know, helper cards where you just take stuff from people and remove stuff from people. So, so I, I have, I have no experience with this one. I have, I've got many experience with a whole bunch of other Uwe, um, Rosenberg type games. Um, is is this a worker placement? Is it, is it a card card? It's a hand? card. So, so as far as the mechanisms go, it's your, your Rosenberg economic farming thing that runs on cards. Um, there's for the solo game, there's a card drafting mechanism where you acquire or purchase cards, um, from a tableau that has, um, stages of price from zero all the way to two yen. And you know, your typical draft system, once one row disappears, the other one slides up and oh, okay, okay. things become cheaper. Yeah, um, as the game progresses. So, so all, the, all the cards are available to everybody. Everybody can see everything. That's the solo mode. In the in the multiplayer mode, each person gets dealt out four cards. Oh, okay. Then you have to, you keep one, you put one in um, this kind of, sort of like uh, open area that everybody else gets to pick from. So you may have to release cards to the, to the public that other players could potentially take from you that would, you know, wreck your engine or block your engine. So there is that whole... And that's the part when I come to my conclusions where I want to play this on the multiplayer so I can see that dimension of it. Um, it's set collecting. Um, if you if you approach it from a point of view of your food being the things that you want to collect so that you can um, uh, fulfill uh, the contracts with your customers. Now you have regular customers and you have... Um, uh, oh, what's the term that they use? Casual customers. So your regular customers, you every turn, you have to give them their vegetables or they turn into grumpy customers. <laughs> and if you still don't fulfill that order, then you have to pay for you know a late fine, right? So to your, your grumpy customers. But your casual ones, you can give them their food order whenever um, uh, you want to or are capable of fulfilling it for some money. But there's a little bonus structure that... If you have more casual customers than regular customers, then you don't get a certain, you know, plus one or plus two. Um, so there's this interesting kind of uh, um, connection to that economy in regards to the casual customers that I, uh, that I liked. Um, let's see. Yeah, i just it, been pulling this up on BGG as, as you've been talking and everything. The artwork looks gorgeous. It's so cute. I hate to use that word, but that's the most compelling thing that, that appealed to me right oh, off yeah, the box yeah. card. That's because it's Clem's Franz. Yeah. <laughs> Clem's Franz there's, artwork. There's certain, there's certain artists for me that, that uh, my eye just connects to, and that's he's one of them. I, we could probably go into uh, a conjecture about uh, about artists influence on purchasing games too because i have some favorites um opinions let's get down to some opinions um i don't know if i'm a lazy learner or if i like to be just efficient but the rule book was good i read through the rule book it made sense then i went and reinforced my understanding through some youtubes because i'm a visual learner i know that for sure <laughs> and then when i put both of those together it took me 
maybe two solo games until I was able to be, as the actors say, off book, and I could basically play without having to have oh, a dependence that, on the rule that, book. That, that's understandable. That's like every that's like every average game yeah. that you that, that anybody encounters. And at no point did I kind of throw the you know rule book down in frustration and go get a coffee and come back. It, it was smooth. I liked it. Um, the player cards, uh, the turnaround structure. Um, there was a nice thematic connection to the cards and to what the cards did. I liked that. Uh, we talked about the artwork. I love the artwork and the design and the little yen that you get with the little square punched out. Um, I mean, they could have just given you little, you know, chits, and it would have been. But they, they, you know, T, uh, TMG. They, they. It wasn't a deluxe version. Man, I'd love to see a deluxe version of this game. Um, but it's your typical Rosenberg card system. Um, I'm a huge fan of Lahav, and uh, that uh, there was there was there oh, was a, right. yeah yes. there was a little kind of there was a little kind of you know s- there's some semblance of of that kind of card system. Uh, not necessarily the set collecting because Lahav's a worker placement, but there was that. I, it appealed to me, that card connection that Rosenberg uses. Yeah, this game has always been kind of like, this would fit in my wheelhouse of Euro games that I think that, I'm, that I would like to enjoy. Um, I just just never had a chance to actually get uh, play this one yet. So Well, I have it. It's on my shelf. And uh, as far as my conclusions go, it's staying on the shelf. It's not getting shuffled off to any uh, used table. Um, engine building. I... I've found out that I love engine building and this one it's nine rounds. So it's not like, you know, you're there locked in for three hours as you fine tune this engine. It's basically either you have it or you don't. And Mm. if you don't, then you're struggling to find cards to make this go off so that your customers are happy so that you, you know, stuff coming off your field because your field can keep expanding every round. You take a new field card, you plant something in it and, and you better have it figured out, um, in regards to the relationship between what you're growing on your fields to the customers that are at your stall. So, so would this game be um, disadvantage for a, a new player playing against an experienced player? Would would be, would be is there like optimal in, in introductory moves that you probably should be you should be taking? Oh, right away, and, you say that I'm thinking Puerto Rico. There's no <laughs> there's no like Puerto Rico open moves that I'm aware of or that I've ever read about. Um, I mean, like any game, an experienced player is going to, uh, you know, take a take a handily uh, 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 advantage over a regular or a new player. But there's this one. There's there's not much learning curve. You you if you understand engine builders, you see what's in front of you and you understand how things are connected, right? Um, I I I can't. I can't say anything bad about it because it's one of these games that, you know, refer to that scratches the itch. This puzzle is just appealing to my brain. So my conclusion is, like I said, it's staying on my shelf. I want to do a multiplayer. This plays up to four players. Um, Two players, I could see it being a good little brain burner. Three players, you could have some competition over the cards. Four players, I could see it being... A little bit of a knife fight in regards to someone seeing what you're growing on your field and taking away a customer that could be very 
um, prosperous for you. Okay, so so like you can you can see that there possibly be some player interaction. This oh. this is in multiplayer solitaire. Oh no no this is and see that was the first thing I thought was oh everyone's just locked into their own little phone booth and and they do their thing. Those helper cards, you can go and take things from other people's markets. You can go take things. You can swap oh, helper. Oh, yeah. Sold. Yeah. I can mess with other people's plans. Oh, sold. absolutely. You can, slew foot, you can slew foot someone's plans and have them just stare at you as they're gripping the bottom of the table. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, the help, that's what, the, for the multiplayer part, that's the interesting part for me is how these helper cards can either be used for good or used for evil. So that is for me at the gates of Luoyang. Um, yeah, I need to play this. Yeah, you. I, I can see you twitching, going. Okay, uh, you need to bring this out uh, Friday, Friday night game night. I, done. We will <laughs> shall. We shall do this. So Perfect. that was my conjecture about at the gates of Luoyang by Uwe Rosenberg, the popular, much loved, at least from this perspective. Uh, Ryan, it's your turn. What game you want to talk about? Okay, well, I, like I mentioned off the top, I'm going to talk about the uh, Raiders of the North Sea by uh, Shem Phillips. Uh, Give us some nuts and bolts. Okay, so Raiders of the North Sea, it's a, it's a worker placement game. It's a little bit different of a work, worker placement game because you don't have like an army of workers, per se. On any given turn, you only have one worker. Only one. <laughs> and the coolest thing about this one is that Okay, I'm going to take that one worker. I'm going to put it on the spot. I'm going to immediately evaluate whatever that action is. Cool. And now I don't have a worker. Well, now I get to take a worker off of another spot that's on the board. And as soon as I take that worker off, I get to evaluate that action that I'm taking it off of. So the worker you're putting on, is that like your color or is it just a generic worker it's, that you It's have? a generic color. There's three generic colors. There's black oh, workers, cool. there's gray workers, there's white workers. And they all have their own special little bonuses. Like if I put a black worker at, the, at this spot, I get $3. But if I put a white worker at this spot, I only get $1. Oh, that is so cool. And yeah, and there's a whole bunch. So the, the theme of this game is that you are a Viking clan. <laughs> of course, Raiders of the North Sea. You're a Viking clan, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to accumulate the most, well, victory points, trying to get this fame. And there's three ways you can do it. You can get points by boosting up your armory. So when you can go out raiding, you can ransack things a lot easier. Um, you get victory points if your crew members, you can accumulate crew members throughout the game. Um, if they die in battle, you go up this victory point track oh, nice, because, because you got a, it's a Viking and it's glorious, Valhalla. Valhalla, victorious deaths. And then of course you can also get victory points by fulfilling what they call offerings. They're kind of like a contract type system. Okay. Um, and then if you go raiding some of the faraway reaches, these outposts and monasteries and fortresses, there's chances to get victory points, uh, victory points there. And yeah, so then there's also a little bit of a card management type thing here. So when I, I, I can put my worker down on a spot and I have a hand of cards that are these crew members. Okay. And so I can either go to a spot and I can play this crew member and the crew members have two abilities. There's a spot where I can play uh, an instant effect where I play the card and I get something. I get some goods or I get some resources or I can mess with some other people. I can take, <laughs> I can take their gold. I can take, or I can take their silver. I was waiting for this. 
Um, but then there's another spot that I can go and I can hire that crew member and he goes on to the, I have, you have a little tableau in front of you and you can place the card down and now that member is part of your crew. You pay, what, two, three, four dollars and that, he becomes permanently on your crew and he carries some sort of benefit with him. Um, when you go raiding somewhere, you might get a little bit of a, a bonus or if uh, he counts as multiple strength. Okay. And, and then when I want to go raiding... That's an action spot. You have to go put your worker down on a spot to go raiding. And there's a whole bunch. Like, this is a big board. And it, it takes up a lot of table space. It's a big board. And there's a whole bunch of spaces where you can go raiding. Now, is it like a typical worker placement where, where you multiple people can go to these spaces? Or is it just one worker per space? Oh, so there's a lot of blocking that can happen, too. I'll get to that part. <laughs> this game does something really interesting with that. All right. Um, but I can go raiding, and in order to go raiding, your certain spots, your crew size needs to be a certain size. Like you need to have either like a crew of one, yeah. all the way up to like a crew of five for some of the more. You also need to have what they call provisions. You need food in order to go raiding. So some spots, the closer spots require less food, the farther away spots require more food. So each raid has its own criteria. Exactly. Okay. And when I go raiding, it's just as simple as this. I say I'm going raiding, and I take all the stuff from that spot. All The board is already populated with a whole bunch of resources, like gold and um, iron and everyone and can cattle. See. And everybody can see what's out there. Oh. And, and, and there's also these little black tokens called Valkyrie tokens. And if you raid a spot with a Valkyrie token, that's how one of your people die. Every Valkyrie token you take, you go, you kill off one of your crew members, and you go up that point track. Oh, that's right, because it's it's honorable. Okay. Okay, so that's cool. So that's where you get these resources. Then you can get there's an action spot where you can trade in these resources to gain victory points. They call them offerings in this game. All right. And there's three ways that the game can end. If all the Valkyrie tokens are gone off the board, the game will finish the round, and then you will score up your victory points. Um, if there's only one fortress, I think there's six fortresses up at the top of the board. And if there's only one fortress remaining, game will game end triggers. Or if all of the offering tiles are depleted. So once all, once all the offering tiles, then that's another way. Multiple to ways. Okay, I like that. Appealing mm. so far. Keep going. Now, I mentioned before, this is really cool with this worker placement thing. You mentioned that not <laughs> multiple people... Now, what you can do to mess up other people is that because the order sometimes matters of you always have to put one guy down first and yep. then take one guy off. Multiple times in the games that I've played, that order in which you put things down, take them off is important. Now, if somebody puts a person on a spot that I want, they say, I want, I need money first. Yeah. I'm going to get money, then hire a crew member. Well, if there's a person there on the money spot, I can't do that, that thing first. That messes your sequence. Yeah. I can't. I, might, I have to spend an entire turn to try to undo that thing. And someone can, after your turn goes, mess it up again so that you have to reset what you're trying to reset right, in the first right. place. Right, so, so in this case, in case, instead, I Ooh. might have to play a crew member first for its ability and then get my <laughs> money. And then hopefully the board state doesn't change so there's a lot of cold staring at a lot of people. There can be. <laughs> now, another cool thing about when you go raiding is that once a person, once a worker goes out or a Viking goes out to raid, that 
person's locked out for the rest of the game. So if I use a black worker, that black worker's never coming back into the game. Whoa. Because when I go raiding, that's how you get these gray and these white workers now. Okay. And so, and if you go raiding now, some of the upper posts, you need a gray worker or a white worker to go raiding. So when you go raiding with those guys, then they are locked out of the game as well. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm wrapping crazy. my brain around this formula. So crazy amount of choices. That there's really, what I found is there's really not a bad choice. There's always something for you to do on your turn. It might not be the most optimal thing that you want to do, but there's always something that you can do. Now, this is an, an efficiency game. Um, you want to try to be able to be the first person to go out on those raids and get those resources. And whoever can get that engine going a little bit fir uh, first, it, it, they're going to set themselves up for, for better success. So it's kind of a race, too, as you're watching. Oh, def oh definitely. As you see somebody like, hey, they got, oh, man, their crew is already growing. They've got provisions. They're going on raids. I'm not even anywhere close to going on a raid yet. What am I going to do? All right. So then you have a choice to either do I do I get the resources I need or do I start blocking this person from doing what they need? Is that, does that oh, come into play? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'm oh, oh, yes. I'm liking this game. Passive and aggressive. Uh, I, I like that. And yeah, you try to do that as, as, as best possible. Now, I've also got the two expansions. <laughs> for for this, there's um, Fields of Fame and the Hall of Heroes. Um, our last Friday night games night, we've actually played a four-player game with both expansions. And and that's the max players is four? Or does well, it when you add in the two expansions, you can go up to six players. Oh. I, 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 do you know what? I don't think I would play this ever with six players. Um, we played it with the four players. The base game itself, it's probably an hour, hour and a half game. Give, give, give or take, depending on Typical, how much. Typical, yeah. Now, when you add in these expansions, now, I should have just added in just one expansion. But you didn't. I did. I put in both <laughs> expansions because everybody wanted to see what was going on and everything. Our four-player game. Turned all the switches on. Our four-player game took us two and a half hours. But, okay, a good two and a half hours or... Like sitting through a movie that's uh, like an hour and towards, a half too long. Towards the end, it, it, it overstayed its welcome probably by about a half an hour, 40 minutes or so. That's where we started like, okay, we got to start cranking. Now, granted, we were probably not making the most efficient, optimal moves on our on our turns. And everybody was pretty new to the game, right? Everybody was new to the game but me. Okay. And I couldn't get my stuff going because they kept blocking me <laughs> and stealing my stuff. Yeah, and his, his ears are getting red, which means that made him mad. Now, the Hall of Heroes expansion, that, that one I would say is a almost a guarantee that you probably want to pick that one up. It has another little board on the bottom, and it's got the Mead Hall. You can go drinking. <laughs> and what it does is it has the tableau of cards that you can draft. And if you draft this card, you get two of these beer tokens. And what I loved with the beer tokens is that they add strength to your well, crew. Well, of course. You get some liquid courage in you. You go out on a raid. It's awesome. And then what they also it adds is these quest tiles. Once a place gets raided, mm -hmm. then we flip over a quest tile. And if you have enough strength, you can take an action to go and fulfill that quest and get a reward. And if you don't, it, it passes. The opportunity passes. Right. Okay, cool. Right. It'll stay on the board until somebody takes okay, that action. Okay, so it can stay out open. It'll stay okay. on the board until somebody takes the action to go on that to go on that quest. 
And uh, all you need is just military strength. So you, your crew members all have military strength. Whoever has, if you have that bright amount of military strength, go complete that quest, get a bonus. And then if you complete three quests of the same type, I think there's four different types or three different types. If you get a set of three of them, then you get like this really super powerful one-time game um, 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 bonus. Okay. So, so far I've been hearing a lot of really positive opinions. Do you, Is there any kind of slam or kind of, you know, little um, nose twitch? Uh, this, this game, if you're not making the most efficient choices, like if you're not trying to push that end game or trying to go complete those raids or get all those, collect those Valkyrie tokens or complete the offerings, this game can take a while. Okay. It, 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 I can say that this can be a, on the little bit of the longer side if you're not. Now, if you're, all players are actively trying to push towards those goals, yeah, you're going to complete this game in that hour, hour and a half uh, time frame. Okay. So warranted, one of the one of the conclusions that I'll have to draw is that this game warrants multiple playthroughs. That very first game is probably going to be a slog fest. A positive experience slog fest or negative experience slog fest? I, I, I'd say it depends on the people that you play with. If they're as usual, yeah, yeah. If if they're going, like, no, this is like kind of like a, a medium, a light medium type of game. There's not really a lot of complexity to the game, just the kind of the choices that you're that that you're that you're making. The second expansion of adds another little sideboard, but adds a whole new dynamic where it adds these what they call these Yarl tokens. <laughs> where there's the Valkyrie tokens, there also could be these little blue shields that are Jarl tokens. And if you encounter, if you go raiding on a spot with a Jarl, you have to fight a Jarl. And so that just sounds bad. So then the, oh, <laughs> the, something's good. Not very many good things happen when you fight a Jarl. Other than if you have enough military strength to kill the Jarl, um, you're going to get a bonus. And you're going to go up this new track that appears. It's called your fame track. You, you killed a Jarl. You're famous. And you go up this fame track, and it's worth points at the end of the game. Another thing, but if you kill a Jarl, your crew members are going to take wound tokens. They're going to get hit. They're going to get hit hard. And wound, Nothing good comes without anything oh, bad. Wound, wound tokens? So if I had a crew member that has a military strength of four, and he's got three wound tokens on him, now his military strength is only worth one. Okay, now can you get can you retire there's, them? Can you there, there, there's, there's fire certain, them? Well, there's certain cards that allow you to heal wounds. Okay, but most of the time you probably want to go on a raid and kill off that guy <laughs> who got weakened. Let him <laughs> let him walk to Valhalla. <laughs> yeah, and there's other cards that allow you to swap out crew members and and things and things like that. All right, so give me your closing conclusion about this. I have this feeling I know, but you give me your conclusion. Well, okay, so Raiders of North Sea. This is a I find it's a really solid worker placement type game. It does that new thing where you put one worker on, take one worker off. That's I, neat. I, I really, really enjoy that. There's some other games that have come out lately too that kind of do the same thing. Um, Coldwater Crown is that fishing game that kind I of. I have to get to that one. It, it reminded me also of Euphoria where you can bump another person's worker dice, but you're not really taking it off for yourself. You're just clearing out yeah. that space. But yeah. I like that. This one doesn't have the bumping mechanic, yeah. but it's rather it's just the placing down. Um, like I said, it, this can overstay its welcome maybe sometimes if you're not trying to push those, those, those end goals. But this is a solid game. Definitely, if you're interested in this one, you should pick up the base game, see if that is, is, is going for you. And then... Of the I, expansions, which one? I, I, I say Hall of Heroes. 
Okay. Uh, I do really like Fields of Fame. That's the one that, though, I think it adds on to the playtime because then you have to yeah. go through that whole side game of battling the Jarls. But if you get the Hall of Heroes and you like it, obviously you understand the game and you can play it properly, then then you would Yeah, Hall recommend. of Heroes doesn't offer, that doesn't add too much to the, com- that actually doesn't very add the complexity of the game at all, other than it adds those, those, um, those, those quest tiles and the beer tokens. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. So at the gates of Loyang, Uwe Rosenberg, um, I was very happy with the game, very happy with the experience, want to play more, want to show you the game so that mm-hmm. I can get that multiplayer taste. Oh, yeah, you haven't played Raiders of the Norse either, and so... I vice versa. I okay, I'm bringing that one out to Friday Night Game Nights again. All right, so um, that's, uh, I guess that's a wrap for Cardboard Conjecture. Um, I'm Norm. And I'm Ryan. And we'll catch you later. We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers, on our YouTube channel, and on our Facebook page, Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community. Thanks for listening. <laughs>